Christchurch, New Malden, 20th of October 2019, 9.30 service. Katie Loffman speaking on Food, Drink and Care of Our Bodies. Well, food's great, isn't it? It's not that long since we had Harvest Festival and people brought so many lovely gifts of food and we were able to thank God for all of that. And there's so many delicious things to choose from when we do want to eat, aren't there? It's a wonderful blessing that God has given us. And God made us with physical bodies, obviously, and because of that, we have to eat food, otherwise we'll die. But isn't it great that God has turned that necessity into a blessing? It's necessary for us to eat, but it's also really enjoyable. We don't just chomp on grass all day like cows. Um, we don't fill up at the garage like a car, but God has given us a huge variety of food and so much of it is delicious and fun to eat. It says in 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 that God richly gives us all things to enjoy and that includes food. There's so much there to enjoy. It's one of God's rich blessings to us. So our response is to praise him for that to thank him for our food and for the people all down the line who grew it and got it to us, to appreciate it and thank him for the nourishment that it gives our bodies. So why do some people have a problem with food? We know that the world is not perfect and there's plenty of illness around, including food-related illness. And there are allergies and there are eating disorders and we hear on the news how certain foods can give you cancer or cause heart disease. This kind of food is bad or that kind of food is dangerous. And sometimes it seems like a minefield and food has almost become the enemy. It's difficult sometimes to know how to respond to all that and that too can be a problem. We have to eat to stay alive and we have to eat well to stay healthy. But how do we eat well? What would be virtuous eating? There are all sorts of moral di dimensions to eating. <coughs> like, <coughs> like justice, sorry. <coughs> huh. Yeah, there's all sorts of moral aspects to eating, aren't there? Like um, justice and inequality, which Tim talked about last week and green issues, which Anna will be speaking about next week. But I'm just going to look at the effects on ourselves of the way that we eat and drink. Oh, water, thank you. Mm. So there are lots of different aspects to eating virtuously. And Tim mentioned how wasting food here contributes to hunger in other countries. And that's true, and we should be careful. But wasting food isn't just throwing it away. It can be overeating as well. If we eat food that our body doesn't need, then that food is equally wasted, just as if we had thrown it away. But it's also doing harm to our bodies. I know a lot of mums eat up leftovers, and I did too. We hate to see our children wasting food, and they, we've cooked it for them, we've given it to them, and maybe we feel guilty about it going to waste if they don't eat it. So at the end of the meal, we finish up the leftovers ourselves, perhaps, rather than scrape the plates into the bin. But the trouble with that 
is we've already eaten our own meal and we don't need more food. So if we eat food that we don't need, that food is just as much wasted as if we'd put it in the bin. And it's disrespectful to our own bodies to give it food it doesn't need. If we keep on like that, we become overweight and unhealthy. Better to just be honest and admit that we made too much. Maybe we can save it in the fridge and eat it when we do need it. Food is a gift from God and as such, it's sacred. It appears to come to us easily at the supermarket, but in fact, it's hard won with huge amounts of labor at every stage. I had an allotment for about a year and what with the weeds and the birds and the hard work and the watering, I actually never managed to grow anything at all. I found out the hard way that food is not easy to produce. And God told Adam before he left the Garden of Eden that it would always be that way. But there are no foods that are intrinsically bad or intrinsically good. And it's not honest to see them that way. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says in 1 Corinthians 10 that even if all food is permitted, not all of it is helpful. It's not that some foods are bad, they're all neither good nor bad in moderation, but it's definitely not helpful to eat certain things, especially all the time. So when we're thinking what to eat or whether to have another slice of cake, this prompts us to think whether it's helpful or not to eat it. God doesn't forbid food from us. It's a blessing for us to enjoy. But that doesn't mean that anything goes. It doesn't mean that we should overindulge. Paul says the responsible attitude is to eat things in a way that's helpful both to us and to other people. And Tim spoke last week about, and Anna will be speaking next week, about how our eating choices can be helpful to other people. But I want to think just about what's helpful to us. And of course, the more nutritious foods are more helpful to our bodies. But how is food helpful to us in other ways? Well, in the reading, we heard about Daniel, who was taken from his homeland and re-educated in the ways of the Babylonians. Part of that cultural education was to eat the same food that the king was keep, who was to eat the same food as the king who was keeping him captive. But Daniel was a Jew, and he felt defiled by eating the king's food. It doesn't tell us why he felt that way specifically, but the food certainly wouldn't have been kosher, and it's possible that it had been sacrificed to idols. And then there's the fact that the one feeding him was Israel's enemy who had taken them all into exile. Food is very symbolic, isn't it? Daniel knew that it wouldn't be helpful to him spiritually to eat from the palace menu. For him, the best solution was to go vegetarian. So he did. And this was not a health decision, but a spiritual decision made for those specific circumstances. And God honored Daniel's decision because Daniel did it in order to remain faithful to God. The Bible doesn't say that it would have been wrong for Daniel to eat the king's food, but for Daniel it would not have been helpful. So he chose a more simple diet, and he thrived on it. The reason Daniel made that decision was because he was listening to God, and he wanted to stay close to God. 
His choice of diet was a symbol of his loyalty to um, over and above his loyalty to the captives, his, to his captors. It was a way of saying that no matter how much they tried to re-educate him, his vegetarian diet was a little piece of his lifestyle that proved that for him, God still came first. Every mealtime would have reminded him that he was different. He was not of this place. His body may be in Babylon, but his heart belonged elsewhere. It was a witness, too, to anyone around who might have said, why are you eating those vegetables? Why are you vegetarian? And I wonder what his reply would have been. So what does Daniel's example teach us? Well, I mentioned that some of the food may have been offered to idols, and what should we think about that? Well, one of the things that Daniel's example doesn't teach us is that we shouldn't eat food that can defile us. Because in the New Testament, it makes it very clear in several places that, no, that we can't be made clean or unclean or defiled by anything that we eat. Because Jesus' death has redeemed all of creation, including food. And Paul discusses with the people of, Corinthian, of, of Corinth at that time whether or not they should eat food that had been offered to idols. And he says that because of Jesus' death and our commitment to that, even that food has been made unclean, has, had been, has been made clean and acceptable to us when we eat it. So Paul tells us to eat and drink whatever's put in front of us without raising questions of conscience. He tells us to take part in the meal with thankfulness. And Jesus tells us to be more concerned about the poisonous things that come out of our mouth than about what we eat. More concerned about how we speak than how we eat. But one thing that Daniel's example does teach us to choose is to choose what we eat for the glory of God. Daniel chose to be vegetarian because he wanted to bring glory to God. And this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do our food choices bring glory to God? Does our eating behaviour glorify him? We've already said that food is a gift from God for us to enjoy, but do we keep that in our minds? Or do we come, become greedy for more so that the thing that was a blessing becomes unhealthy? In Bible times, the Christians were concerned about food that had been sacrificed to idols, but for us in this country, I think there's more of a danger that food itself can become an idol. How would we know if that was happening to us? Well, food as an idol would be when instead of controlling food, food starts to control us, like an addiction. We praise it, glowing descriptions of every glorious aspect of a chocolate gatto, or adoration of those sensuous images that known as food porn. When we sacrifice inordinate amounts of time or money and effort to food, trying to find the very best of everything. And when we even sacrifice our health for the sake of food. 
Maybe we even become judgmental about the food that other people eat, as if they're somehow dishonouring the food that we eat, the food that we love even. Eventually, anything that exerts that kind of tyranny will make us miserable. When we see those things in our life, then food has become the driving force of our lives instead of God. How can that bring glory to him? And one of the aspects of having the Holy Spirit in our lives, one of the fruits of the Spirit, is self-control. And that's when we need to call on the Holy Spirit to make that gift stronger in us so that we can do the right thing and put God first. Because the answer to this tendency is a closer relationship with God. To love God for giving us the blessing of food rather than love the blessing itself. To pray for strength, to put God first. To ask him to open our eyes to what's really going on so that we see our life with his perspective. If we bring this situation to God, he will show us his plan for our relationship with food. As Paul says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, not for the glory of food. One thing that concerns me a bit at the moment is the way people speak about alcohol. It's glib to talk about drink as something to look forward to or something that would cheer us up. Oh, glass of wine at the end of the day, just what I need. It's something to celebrate, not just something to celebrate with. We think drunkenness is funny and we laugh at people who drink too often. It's very difficult to find a birthday card these days that doesn't make some joke about getting out the bottle or having a few too many. Of course, we don't consciously take those jokes seriously. But constantly talking about drink in this way does lead to a gradual change in our attitude, maybe without us even noticing. And when someone mentions having a drink, having a drink does our tone of voice sound a little bit too enthusiastic? Are we subtly contributing to the culture of drinking and not being helpful to ourselves or helpful to other people? The Bible has quite a lot to say about getting drunk. It's unhealthy, it makes us lazy, it makes us vulnerable, and of course it doesn't bring glory to God. In Ephesians 5, Paul tells us not to be under the influence of drink because it opens the door to temptation. Instead, he says, keep yourself under God's influence by listening to Christian music and chatting to Christians and talking about the Bible. Those things can help us to steer clear of temptation. So if you listen to music when you're out, maybe have Christian songs that will shuffle in now and again and they can keep our minds focused on Jesus especially when temptation is looming. Another thing that the Bible often links with drunkenness is gluttony. And that's not a word that we use much nowadays. But what does it actually mean? God wants us to enjoy the physical aspects of our life, including eating and drinking. But when can that tip over into unhelpful attitudes? Well, I read a book recently called Eating with the King by Terry Rockwell. And Terry is someone who was addicted to food. She ate between meals even though she wasn't hungry, 
She continued to eat even when she was full up. Every delicious thing was a massive temptation which she could never resist. And as a result, she was incredibly overweight, as you can imagine, and her health suffered and she couldn't do the things she really wanted to do. But more to the point, she felt her relationship with God suffered too. Food dominated her life to the exclusion of everything else. Her cravings for food influenced all her decisions. But she should have been influenced by God and what he wanted her to do. She admits in the book that she loved food more than she loved God. In fact, she was using food as a substitute for love, as a substitute for praise. She was comfort eating. And needless to say, having that focus didn't make her happy. Her self-esteem was terrible. Her weight stopped her from joining in family activities and she felt unloved by God as well. For her, the key to it was coming back to God and waiting for his promptings of when and what to eat. That was the key to her recovery that turned around her whole life. She learned to listen to her stomach telling her when she was hungry or telling her when she was full. For her, it became a matter of obedience to God, putting God first, following his guidance and gaining the strength from him to resist temptation. Gradually, her life was transformed. She had to rely on God and she had to rely on wisdom from the Bible. But as a result, her faith grew enormously. Food lost its grip over her life. And as she took back control, she started to lose weight. And with that, her self-esteem and her depression improved. Terry's testimony is just one example of how our spiritual health, our mental health and our physical health all go together. When one is out of balance, they all suffer. And what Terry experienced is that the way to get back into balance is to focus on our spiritual health first. And when we do that, it will give us the strength and the wisdom to get our physical health and our mental health back on track. At Harvest Festival a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated God's provision for us, how he gives us all sorts of food, not just to keep us alive, but for us to enjoy. Let's continue to praise God for the wonderful blessing of food. But let's also remember Daniel. He deliberately chose to eat in a way that was helpful to him spiritually. And by doing that, he honoured God. So let's follow his example by thinking carefully about what's helpful to us spiritually. And when we go shopping, or when we cook, or when we eat, let's ask God to guide us in a way that honours him. <laughs>